Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to, well, welcome to Book Corner. It's a catch-up with uh, one of my favourite authors, podcasters, journalists and writers, Mr. Gary Thacker. Guys, we've got you on here today to talk about your uh, fantastic new book, Out of the Blue. But for people that don't realise and know who Gary Thacker is, and I can't believe that there's anybody on Book Corner that doesn't, let's just have a little bit of uh, your background first, please. Yeah, sure, mate. Okay, so um, I come from Warsaw, not very far away from your good self, um, Paul, originally, uh, now living in Spain. Um, I, uh, I, um, the book I'm going to talk about today will be my sixth book, um, including a couple of novels in there as well. Um, I, I'll work a lot with these football times and the senior lab management team there, uh, worked on a podcast with them. And I also write um, a weekly column over here in Spain for an English language newspaper about uh, about La Liga. Fantastic. Let's just uh, harp on to fo- these football times because I think you guys are fantastic. You've wrote so many books collectively. Who are the the guys in these football times? I know Stu's got a new book coming out uh, about the 1982 Espania 82. There's Stephen Scrag. Uh, that's wrote uh, the trilogy, and we're going to be talking about the Champions League. But when Stephen wrote it, it's the European Cup. And uh, who's the other? Who's the other players? Well, there are several. Basically, the team, the uh, the whole collective is about fifty or sixty people. Right. Um, in the in the senior leadership team, there's uh, myself, Stu, and Stevie, as you mentioned. There's uh, Aidan Williamson, uh, Chris Weir, um, uh, Josh Butler. And Will Sharp and Paul McParlin. Uh, so this is the seven writers in the main in the senior leadership team. But as I say, the whole the whole these football time sort of uh, group is is forty fifty people. Fantastic, and you do some splendid work. Produce some great podcasts and uh, loving the uh, the South American stuff at the moment as well. But you did touch upon you've got a couple of novels out there. Uh, the first one. Was um, was there any naming after a protest song by Joe South? Because it's the games people play. I, do you know? No, the actual answer is no. I, I don't even know the song, mate. It's, it's right. A, it's a title that just came to me actually. I was writing the book, and because it, it's all about um, people sort of. Uh, I, I only used the phrase that people are being uh, uh, players sometimes, and sometimes you're being played, and sometimes you don't know the difference between the two yeah. until you find out later. So um, it just came to mind that the the, the title. So uh, no, I say I'm not familiar with the song, Paul. To be honest with you. And the a whole new ball game is part two. How's Sophia? And is there going to be a trilogy? Because you guys like trilogies, don't you? <laughs> certainly do. You know, I did a podcast with the guys actually about the book a few uh, a few weeks ago, and they were asking me the same question. Yeah. I'd always got the idea of doing a sequel to the book because I've got the sort of continuation of the story in my head. But um, obviously, other matters sort of taken over. So I've got the, the the Chelsea book coming out, which we're going to talk about later, and I'm also currently working now on a book about um, the great Ajax teams of the early 70s that won the European Cup three times and the bounce 
which is due out in uh, May 2023. So I don't know. I might have a look at it then. It's um, got so many sort of little subplots going on in the background in my mind as to how I could develop it. So, yeah, it's quite possible, mate. It's quite possible. And that was the dynamics between fiction and fact, because you've also wrote a fact book, Cheers, Tears and Jeers, the History of England's World Cup which hasn't been pretty, well, it hasn't been very good since 66. And, I mean, there's an argument they only won it really in 66 because it was at home. It's true. That's a good point, mate. It's probably true as well, mate, because uh, I don't think they're going to win either way from home in South America either before or after that. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I actually wrote um, the first novel while I was also finishing off the, uh, the my duck, my, my book about the Dutch um, teams, uh, the Oranges, 74 and 78 yeah. World Cup, yeah. the Cruyff Kroll. Um, era and it was difficult so I was sort of finishing one off it was awful like about two or three months and uh, I mean people said to me well how do you do that well, it's it sort of you couldn't I couldn't write two novels at the same time yeah. but when, when you're sort of doing a novel a factual book it's sort of easy to sort of immerse yourself in one world because it's entirely separate it's like it's like reading a book and cooking at the same time yeah. you couldn't read two books at the same time but they're, t- they're totally different genres really yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at the uh, wonderful book, uh, Beautiful Bridesmaids, dressed in orange, an orange spell in the Dutch way, the proper way, the unfulfilled glory of Dutch football. And Johan Cruyff is looking through the lens at me. It's a fantastic picture, that is, of Johan. And uh, Johan Nijskin's on the back, of course. What a team. And what a team Chelsea were. Um, we go back many years to Chelsea. You were born, I believe, in 1956. The year that my team, Birmingham City, got to the FA Cup final and got done by Don Revie and the Revy plan. Although many yes. recent football, not our legacy fans, but the uh, the Johnny Come Latelys, think that Pep Guardiola invented the deep line centre forward, but it was uh, certainly uh, at the year of your birth. Yeah, it was. I mean, Hoodie Gooty is the uh, the Hungarians in the early nineteen fifties. I mean, obviously, it's three Gabby Wembley. Yeah. He played as a deep line centre yeah. centre forward. So people who think you know Messi was the originator of the uh, false nine under Guardiola, you say, Paul, they uh, they are the Johnny Come Lightnings, mate. There's, 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 there's not often anything new in football. It's just recycled ideas and presented in a different way. Absolutely, and uh, and probably played in that position because Laszlo Kubala. Uh, didn't it already defected to the West, hadn't they? What a group of players they were, the Hungarians. Yeah. Amazing team. I mean, talk about, you know, one of the best teams not to win the World Cup. I mean, you look at the Hungarians in 50, 54, and then you've got uh, the Dutch in 74, uh, Brazil in 82. So it's a great teams not won the World Cup. And there's a wonderful book that captures all that by one of your uh, friends in these football times, Aidan, isn't it? Yeah, I have, to be honest with you, we, we, we've got a, um, a pod due with not too distant future to talk about. So I haven't actually seen the book yet, but knowing yeah. the way Aiden uh, works and his, his sort of dedication to detailed research, it'll, it's going to be an absolute barn burner for sure. Absolutely. In 56, so in 66, you were, you were 10, so you really had a good insight into England winning the World Cup. A few years after, uh, Chelsea, your team, won their first FA Cup in 19. 19- 70, went on to win yeah. their first trophy in Europe in 1971. I've got so many stories of those times, the kings of the King's Road, and I'm guessing that's why you fell in love with uh, with Chelsea Football Club, because they were such a fantastic group of players. 
Well, there's certainly, well, I mean, my, my sort of um, love affair with Chelsea goes back earlier than that. I mean, yeah. I, I remember, I remember sporting Chelsea when Jimmy Greaves got sold. I, I could never, I mean, I, I was only three or four at the time. And my yeah. daughter and my dad telling me that Jimmy Greaves was going to play with Chelsea more. I, I couldn't understand why. Uh, what? Why would it something not? I mean, you know, in my sort of naive, very early childhood. But I, I mean, you know, coming from Warsaw, uh, you know, nowhere near Chelsea. Um, I don't know why I'm a Chelsea fan, but you know, I'm, I'm where am I now? I'm 65, now 66, not too distant future. So I must have been. I've been a Chelsea fan for over 60 years. So you, know, you see these people sometimes saying, "Oh, you know, you're only, you're only Chelsea fan since Abramovich turned up and you started winning." Think, oh, well, that ain't true because you know I remember, you know. Where were you when you were shit? I was supporting Chelsea when we were shit a number of times. Absolutely, um, but they, but but you wasn't back in them days, and and just after that you had the uh, the catches if you can team with Terry uh, Terry Venables and George Graham, and then sadly a few yeah. of them uh, had a problem in Blackpool and Tommy got rid of them, and then Hoodie and and the boys, the new group, come through to Chelsea, and Chelsea. The Kings of the Kings Road were also the Kings of the Kings Road in 2011-2012. When did you decide to write the story? Because it is an unbelievable story of of how Chelsea did become champions of Europe. And it really was against all odds, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, you know, it's one of these stories that, you know, if, if, I, if I wrote an awful about it, the publisher would kick my backside and say, don't be ridiculous, because nobody's going to believe anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've got this in my mind to write the Chelsea story or the the um, beautiful bridesmaids uh, story first, but I, I prefer the Dutch one because it's got wider appeal. Um, but once I've got that, once I got that sort of agreed by the publishers and working my way through, they were keen to get for me to follow up with the Chelsea one. So I, I suppose it's been sort of um, you know it's been five years in the thinking, but sort of two years in the development. But it's you know it, it is it's a crazy story. Um, Paul, I've talked to, to people so many times about this, and you know. A season where, you know, the team were sort of having the worst season they had for a decade. You know, ridiculous in the, in the, in the Champions League. Look like they're going knocked out in the group stages. Then they played Benfica. And what a way Benfica, where Benfica had lost a European game at home for about three years. And then they chucked it away in the home league. And then the famous, um, the, the um, Napoli game, of course, when Vince Boas wrote the longest resignation letter in the history of mankind by picking the team he picked, you know, 3-1 down, almost 4-1 down, Colin Fleming off the line, amazingly turned that around, and then the ridiculous games against Barcelona, I mean, just absolutely crazy, and then to cap it all, to go and play Bayern Munich in, in their own stadium, and get, get, get absolutely hammered, another Barcelona hammer, hammering, in effect, for the entire length of the game, and then to go win it on penalties, it's the most ridiculous story in the, I mean, when I spoke to people in the past, I, I call this the most ridiculous story in the history of the European Cup and come, come up with something that beats it. Nobody can. I mean, they mentioned the Man United come back in, in 99, Liverpool mm. winning after looking to go in, you know, being 3 0 down against. But that was one game. Yeah. This was 10 games. Yeah. Just absolutely crazy. And that ultimately. Gary, is the difference. Yes, it was a great comeback by Liverpool. We didn't think that they would, at 3-0 down against that fantastic AC Milan team, get back into the game, let alone win it. And Manchester United, if you actually come in on 90 minutes and saw the score at 1-0, you'd think, Rob, um, you know, they've actually lost the game of football. But to score those two late goals was phenomenal. But Chelsea, it, it was that hit and miss. It was that Villas-Boas even gets the sack, doesn't he? Um, yeah. 
during the season. Roberto Di Matteo takes over and carries that baton, wins the FA Cup. Uh, they oh, finish yeah. sixth in the Football League. They get quarterfinals of the uh, League Cup and win the Champions League. It really is absolutely crackers. And, uh, and and I was just looking there that they beat Liverpool 2-1 in the final. And what a save, I have to say, by uh, Peter Cech oh. off Andy Carroll. I mean, what a goalkeeper he was. And he, he really played his part in the Champions League win as well, didn't he? Especially in the penalty oh. shootouts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, mean, I just said Eric Marple, the story was, and I'd even forgot to add in about the FA Cup, which is quite what you put in there, mate. I mean, the, 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 it must be one of the greatest saves in the history of the FA Cup final, yeah. the one against uh, Andy Carroll. But yeah, I mean, not only the penalty shootout in the final, but he also denied Messi. Oh, I didn't say the ball, Messi hit the, the crossbar. But um, I've got the story in the book, and I've uh, read about what Czech said, that uh, he was aware. Cause he, I think there's 10 games um, that Chelsea had played Barcelona when Messi had featured, and he'd never scored against Chelsea. Yeah. And in this penalty, obviously, because they sort of hammered Chelsea for so long, just after half-time, I think it's about 50, 55 minutes into the game, when he gets the penalty, which incidentally, um, Fabregas later said, that he died and Drogba hadn't touched him. But it was a big game. You know, what, what can you do? Well, you can't argue with that because what player wouldn't have done that? Yeah. Um, but he was conscious of, uh, and he thinks Messi was too. And he said, uh, when he approached the ball, I decided I was not going to move. I just stood still. Um, in the end, because you see, Messi wanted to take the kick. He looks at Czech for a while before he looks down at the ball and takes the shot. Obviously, so because Czech hadn't moved, he was going to just lift it over him. But obviously, he crashed against the crossbar. So, you know, perhaps even aside from being a great goalkeeper, and then, of course, he's had the penalty against uh, Robin in extra time yeah. in the uh, in the final as well. So, you know, uh, obviously, you know, his sort of mental attitude did us did a favour as well as his uh, goalkeeping talent. And that was another one that Drubber gave away. I mean, he was a liability, wasn't he, in Chelsea's <laughs> box? It was bloody good in the other box, but in Chelsea's yeah. box... Typical yeah. central striker. But again, yeah. what a player as well, wasn't he, Didier Drogba? Oh, amazing. And yeah, as you say, real proper forward tackle when defending. I mean, come yeah. back in at the corners, otherwise keep out the way, guy. Just out the run of the pitch. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing um, player for us. And not only, not only as, a, as a sort of player, but the things he did for charity in, the, in, in, in Cote d'Ivoire, his own country, after he went to build the hospitals and, and stopping a civil war. I mean... Uh, even outside of football, the stories about Drogba are, are such a legend. And, uh, you know, I think ever since he left, Chelsea have been looking for the next Didier Drogba. They've signed so many players with so much money. And everyone sort of fell short. I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea buying strikers, it's just a, it's been a disaster ever since Chris Sutton. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's one of these things. I mean, Alan Hudson, uh, who, who would do a regular podcast with Udi, you know, yeah, I speak so highly of, of of the king of Stamford Bridge, and, and oh, the, you know, there's there's not many Peter Osgoods. Unfortunately, Ramsey and Revy didn't see the beauty in in Oz. But uh, I mean, he went to Mexico, of course. And Bobby Moore said to uh, Alan Hudson, "You know, your mate was terrific in Mexico. You know, some of the stories that you hear about Ozzy, he said it, it, nothing like that. Ali was he was superb. Sadly, Alf didn't play him." And, no. you know, I think Ozzy had five England caps. But Drogba, yeah. I mean, again, one of the first foreign nationals over here to uh, to put their money to charity. I'd not really heard yeah. of that before Drogba started it. No, it's true. But just, just a quick word about Ozzy. Ozzy is my all-time 
Chelsea legend yeah. favourites. I've got a picture of Ozzy on my uh, my sort of um, uh, uh, um, photo uh, shootings mm. with standing outside his statue yeah. outside Stamford Bridge, and he just simply headed the king and I because he was the king. He was. Uh, I'm always my favourite player. In fact, as we talk now, I'm wearing a replica. Chelsea FA Cup final 1970 shirt with nine on the back. Yeah, so, there you, so there you go. But yes, yeah, I mean he was he was um, he, he should have played when when we played Brazil. Yeah. Uh, we needed to go late on. Mm. Honestly, I think 19 at the time had just been the league's top scorer. Yep. You need a goal, so you got Ozzy on the bench. You turn to yeah, well, Fastel. I, I mean, a decent striker, but you know yep. Ozzy was a bit of a top perishing goal scorer, but. Rams didn't like him, as you say, and you know, and and Huddy's right. Um, if he's the best player, Huddy's played with, you know, then he must be some decent player. Um, but yeah, sorry, go back to Drogba. Um, yeah, he, he has started training. Many others afterwards, obviously, did the same sort of thing. I knew, I think, uh, Sadio Mane at Liverpool does a, does a lot of uh, similar work in Senegal. And a lot of players do, but he was probably the first to uh, sort of set that trend, and you know, more power to him for that, mate. And in the league, you know, the 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 leading scorer there was uh, there was two. Uh, Super Frank on 11. And Danny Sturridge, I didn't realise that. Danny Sturridge scored 11 goals for Chelsea that year. Frank was top yeah. scorer in all competitions with 16. Again, what a player Frank Frank Lampard was. But, you know, again, when he was a kid, and it was with Uncle Harry, took dogs abuse. Look at the puppy fat on him, he'll never make a footballer. But Frank Lampard got every drop of of ability out of his body, didn't he? He worked his backside off. And as a manager, you can see that with Frank as well. Well, that's exactly what I said to people about when they asked me about Lampard, you know. I think as talent goes, he was far away from being the t- the best, the most talented midfield player. Yeah. But what he got was he dragged every ounce of, of ability out of because he had to put in. And, he, I mean, the, the ridiculous stat is that, and I can't remember the, the exact figures, but he's either the fourth or fifth Highest goal scorer in the history of the Premier League, mm. and he didn't even a striker. He didn't even a striker, mate. I mean, he scored more goals than people such as Robbie Fowler. Uh, I mean, I think I think it's the Shearer, um, Rooney, Wright. I think I think Lampard scored more goals than Thierry Henry. I might yeah. be wrong, but ridiculous amount of goals for a, for a midfield player. I mean, he's Chelsea's top goal scorer. Uh, you know, he scored more goals than you know, likes of Ozzy, Kerry Dixon, uh, Bobby Tamblyn. It's just, it's just ridiculous, ridiculous amount of goals he scored, and and you know, not only, not only did he score goals, but he was a workhorse at midfield, and, you know, dogged about in midfield, and got back and defended as well. Amazing player. Absolutely, Villas Boas. Um, you referenced him about the resignation letter. He also had a row with Ashley Cole. You could hear that at Stamford Bridge as well, couldn't you? Apparently, not the, uh, not the floors below. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, apparently, I, I, I spoke to. Um, no names. A very. <laughs> No, 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 Patrick, a very, very famous Chelsea fan, um, a very uh, extremely wealthy Chelsea fan. Uh, it was at the same hotel in Naples um, where the club was staying before the game, and his, his room was two or three below, mm. but directly below where um, Bill Spowers called Ashley Cole into the room to tell him he wasn't playing. And the, the, sort of the language apparently, was, you know, I mean, this guy talk about losing the dressing room. This yeah. guy lost the dressing room, and, and I mean, he posted to Timbuktu. It's just terrible, terrible situation. And in that game, bear in mind, this is a you know, this was a quarter final of the Champions League. He left on the bench: Essien, yeah. Ashley Cole, Lampard, um, I can't remember, Mikel, 
And he said that uh, Ashley Cole wasn't fit to play because he'd had an injury against Everton a couple of games previously, and he said he wasn't fit to play. And yet, because there was an injury to Basingwa, seven or eight minutes into the game, mm. Ashley Cole came up and played almost the entire game, which gives the light to the assertion that he wasn't fit to play. You see, what you do as a manager, you just say to Ashley, Ash, are you fit? Yes, Gaffer, are you playing? <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that, isn't it? You don't tell Ashley Cole that you ain't fit when Ashley Cole knows he's fit and he can play there. Yeah. And dropping Super Frank as well. You you just look at some of the things that Villas Boas done at Chelsea was was quite incredible. And I think that sometimes, especially with a young manager coming from a foreign country, because he'd, he'd done okay, hadn't he? I think he went unbeaten, didn't he, when he, he managed over in Portugal. But the English yeah. Premier League is very, very different to Port- the Portuguese League. And the the differential in ages between senior pros at Chelsea and Villas-Boas wasn't that great. And he seemed to try and distance himself instead of working with them players. Mourinho, when Mourinho come in at Chelsea, he'd done the polar opposite, didn't he? He recognised what talent Chelsea had got and worked with them. Absolutely. Well, well, Vince Bowers, when he was in Port, he'd won the league with Porto mm-hmm. without losing a single game and yeah. won the uh, Europa League or what it's called the Europa Cup in those days. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got this, when he came to Chelsea, he got this, the project, which was apparently, uh, it agreed with Abramovich or so the story goes, goes that uh, uh, he was going to sort of um, reduce the age uh, profile of the squad by getting rid of players such as Lampard, Drogba, Terry, mm-hmm. uh, Ashley Cole, uh, Peter Cech, Essien, and uh, break this sort of player power uh, room that's forgetting. But instead of doing it in a way that, you know, in a more sort of gentle, evolving way, he went mm-hmm. and, you know, stamped his foot in the puddle and created a lot of ripples and then wonder why he got wet. Absolutely. But again, managers with experience go into situations and understand that, and I've always been of this opinion, that a team's only as good as the senior pros, and it's the senior pros that run the dress. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And the manager's job there for easy. Absolutely, but as you say about Mourinho, different different approach entirely. And Mourinho, when he came into Chelsea, uh, when he got the Chelsea job, uh, Frank Lampard was at um, an England gathering, and he's spoken to the FA about going to just want to go and say hello to Lampard. Introduces him. I think Lampard had just come out of the showers, was getting sort of dressed after after a training session, and he said, you know, uh, you know, I'm Jose Mourinho, blah blah. I'm going to make you the best midfield player in the world. Now. Whether, they, whether he actually was going to do that or not, Lampard said, it might be feel 10 foot tall. 
this is a car you believe in me. And that's, as you say, Paul, that's different from somebody who, who sort of goes in and uh, acts like, a, you know, some kind of despot and somebody else who understands the value of experienced players and knows that they're the guys that win your trophies. Absolutely. That's a that's a 100% true story as well with uh, Mourinho yep. and Frank Lampard. So I remember Alan Hudson telling me the same story. That's you know, good stuff. But again, Frank, that that's what you do with, with players of Frank Lampard's ability. Uh, the FA Cup final, let's just briefly talk about the FA Cup final. And the book, is it about just the Champions League or the season as a whole? It's the season, Paul. Yeah, the FA so. Cup's covered as well. There are yeah. whole uh, chapters covered to the FA Cup, yeah. That final against Liverpool, Chelsea, Liverpool again, history, haven't they? OK, people will say, oh, it's only modern history, but now they go back years as well, in the day oh, of Shankly yeah. and stuff and what have you. So when you get an FA Cup final between uh, Chelsea and Liverpool, it is something special and, and it delivered, didn't it? Ramirez scored the first goal, Drogba scored the second. They were 2-0 two, two up against Chelsea and they're looking as though they were on easy street, wasn't they? They were indeed, mate. Yeah, and Chelsea had played Liverpool three times that season. The whole away in the well, actually they hadn't played them at that stage because I think the last game was towards the before the Champions League final. Um, but they played Liverpool three times that season and twice the year before, season before the league, and had lost every game. Chelsea, Chelsea, Liverpool had come to Chelsea and knocked them out of the League Cup at Stamford Bridge. So they had got a decent record. But Drogba at Wembley at the Wembley final is like some kind of. I don't know, it's like some kind of god of the arena. Mm. Um, I think he scored more Wembley final goals than any other player. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, I might remember, he's scored a lot in in, in, uh, in, in major finals there, being League Cup or FA Cup. And um, yeah, I mean, and then we had uh, obviously the Carroll, uh, I think Carroll scored the first goal, I think, if memory yeah. says me right. And then obviously the, the, the amazing Czech save. And, mm. and Carroll, I, I, I sort of did a little research of this afterwards. And uh, Gerard, you know, fair play to the guy. He said, "Well, you know, if that's what the the, uh, the referee says, I'm happy to go with his decision." I mean, you know, but the Carroll was obviously sort of celebrating. But if you look at the um, the replays, it doesn't look like it crossed the line. No, it doesn't. But it does like it does look like checks Paul off an impossible save and amazing, amazing goalkeeper. Highest high and lowest low of the uh, of the season of the whole. I guess the lowest low was probably the game that ended up with um, that was. I suppose his last game, which was the one uh, 0 defeat at the Baggies, um, which ended up being, and the, the Baggies fans were chanting, which is middle of March, sometime early March. Um, the Baggies fans are chanting, you're, you're getting sacked in the morning, and yeah. you know you get that quite often. This time it was true. Yeah. Um, highest high, I guess, had to be when Drogba rolled that penalty in the last, the last sort of kick of the game, and I've got a, a picture that the kids bought me um, up on my wall. Um, and it's it's sort of from behind Drogba, and he's rolled the ball into one corner, and um, oh, God, no, yeah, he's sort of diving away to the corner. Mm. And I remember, I remember uh, Martin Tyler um, shouting, uh, "He's done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club." Well, I guess I can't argue Martin Tyler, can I? It was the first time that they won the Champions League or the European Cup, wasn't it? Chelsea, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The final, obviously. Four years earlier in Moscow, yeah, yeah. when uh, when Ch- uh, um, JT won't it? when there was a vital penalty against Manchester United, and, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, of course, they won the Europa League the season after. Yeah, Chelsea well, did, and, yeah. and they we they've actually won everything now that they can win. Apart, well, in in, um, in club football, you can't win the World Cup or the Euros, but falling short of that, Chelsea have won everything, haven't they? They have indeed, yeah. Um, 
obviously sort of uh, after um, we'd won the, the European Cup in 2012, um, Dimit Payo only lasted, I don't know, a few months. I think he's by sort of December time. He got the sack, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, we, we sat down to Lottie the year after he'd won the double. Yeah. So, you know, it's sort of unusual. But yeah, and then we won the... Um, the uh, Europa League under Benitez as he was there as the interim manager but yeah yeah obviously um, you know very kind of them to do this to win the Champions League um, last term just to help my book sales along because it's maybe very topical again so that was very decent of them and obviously then to go and win the World Cup Championship and yeah every every sort of um, pot that Chelsea could win they've now won um, I'm just waiting for them to enter a team in the belt race next year <laughs> You never know, they probably will win it. But with Abramovich now leaving, I mean, things are going to possibly change there for Chelsea. But you look at the managers. I mean, you've just referenced then in the space of, what, a couple of seasons, they've had four managers. I mean, it's ridiculous to maintain a level of success at the elite level. Champions League, Europa League, FA Cup, Championships. And change your managers as consistently as Watford, it is quite incredible that Chelsea did do what they did. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. Um, I, you know, it's, it almost defies logic that, mm. you know, to be that successful, to win so many pots um, with that sort of um, rotation manager. I mean, you know, you know the, when people say that the hot seat of Chelsea, it really is hot because yeah. it's, you know, it's still warm from the previous guy when anybody, knew, anybody else moves in. Um, and yet, and yet, you know, it's difficult to sort of criticise because you know you can't say it don't work. You can't mm-hmm. say it ain't work because I think from when Abramovich took over to now, Chelsea have won more trophies than any other English club. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, it certainly used to be. I think that that's that, that's still the case. And so you know, um, I mean, in Europe, you know, very few um, clubs keep coaches any longer than two years. But in Chelsea, if it's worth two months, you're doing well, I suppose, really. Absolutely. What contributors did you have to the book? I'm guessing that there were a number of people that you went to to get their experiences of that season. And did uh, Stevie Scrag uh, give any input? Because you did give some input to the undisputed champions of Europe, how the gods of football became European royalty, and you did become European royalty in 2012. Indeed. Uh, I don't think you asked me this book. Actually, I've crossed Steve quite often in the... Uh... The book I'm writing about Ajax at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I don't think it is in the, in the Chelsea book. But I managed to speak to quite a few decent, well, sort of well-celebrated people. I mean, Jonathan Northcroft, um, The Times, and uh, The Telegraph. I'm not sure now. Um, I spoke to Rafa Honigstein um, about the Bayern game and Uli Hetzer, who uh, is another German um, uh, author. It's amazing that, you know, how helpful people are sometimes. I mean, this, the book I'm writing now, I managed to get an interview with Root Kroll. Wow. And... and and Johnny Rep. I mean, uh, just I mean, absolutely amazing. So you know, in the in the uh, in previous books, I mean, I spoke to to Graham Hunter. Uh, people are so nice once you manage to get in touch with them. Um, it's really really helpful. I'm surprised, Stephen. We're still talking to you actually after you uh, beat Liverpool two one in the FA Cup final season. <laughs> uh, we have a good bit of bands, me and Stevie, um, on, on podcasts because the other guys. I mean. Uh, um, Steve lives in Hall, so he's a, he's a Hall fan, if anything, but he's not really supporting any, any clubs. And uh, we've got Paul, Paul Mack, who's an Everton fan. Yeah. Um, so, so Steve and I have a lot of, uh, a lot of bands about um, Chelsea and Liverpool, but I mean, they've been amazing the last couple of seasons and, you know, Cross been wonderful there. But uh, we have, 
they're always great games. I mean, we played them uh, a month or so back. Uh, that, that great two-two game at um, at Stamford Bridge, where Liverpool two nil up and yeah. Chelsea came back. Mm. I mean, some some great games. I mean, Chelsea got a history of of, of sort of being involved in great games. You know, you mentioned that already earlier. You know, and he's he had some great he's played some great games for Chelsea as well. I mean, you mentioned about the um, the seventy one seventy two um, Cup Winners Cup triumph. You know, I mean, great days, great days. And you know, we almost Chelsea now. It's it's you almost I wouldn't say you expect to win, but if you got a chance, when 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 Hoodie and obviously um, Charlie Cork were playing, you know Eddie Mack, um, Chopper Harris, Peter Benetti, when we won something, it was it was something special. Mm. It was something special, and those guys delivered some great performances and great entertaining games as well. I'm guessing the preparation for uh, 2012 was slightly different to Athens in '71, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess so, mate. I don't think the journeys down to the, to the King's Road for a couple of beers were sort of involved in uh, in um, the, the preparation that Di Matteo put together, mate. Right <laughs> it was the it was the Athens Hilton. Udi had popped in there because he was walking off a, a dead leg, so he got a taxi up to the uh, to the Athens. We're going past the Athens Hilton, and he says, "Like, just drops off here." Yeah. He's only a young kid. I think I was what nineteen at the time. Yeah, and I probably yeah. probably wouldn't go to uh, to Athens again. And it's in the Hilton, and he said, I, I walk through to like the pool area, and he said, Paul, I seen a table. There's Osgood, Charlie Cook, Sponge, and Johnny Fennell, one of the mates. He said, I've never yeah. seen so much alcohol on a table. He said, I said to Oz, he said, you do realise Oz, we didn't win last night. You know, we're playing them tomorrow in the replay. And he says, right. Young Good, you go and have an early night because you're going to do my running and I'll score the golf. And Ozzy always delivered. But Udi said, if the manager of Real Madrid or the coaches had gone into the Athens Hilton, they would have seen three Chelsea players off their nuts. <laughs> and that's exactly the words Hudson yeah. used. Different with Robbie uh, Di Matteo in 2012. But how did the players get on with, with Robbie? I know with Dave Sexton, you know, there, there was a lot of um, stick, but no carrot. But was, was yeah. what was the dynamics like with Robbie? I think the difference is, is that, um, and this is where he could succeed, where first Bowers um, failed, is he was a Chelsea man. Yeah. Before obviously Chris's playing career, a similar thing happened when um, Abram Grant took over from um, Mourinho. They brought in Steve Clark as an assistant. So there was a Chelsea sort of, you know, it, it wasn't totally new somebody from the side. Well, B.S. Bowers had that sort of, you know, detachment from the club, yeah. whereas Robbie Di Matteo and, and the players, I think, although they call, and I, I sort of got a few inter- interviews, well, I, I did interview them, but I've seen interviews with them which I've used in the book, um, where they say, that, and they, they call Di Matteo now, they call it Robbie. Now, at the time, they, they, they called him boss, but even then, you know, although he wasn't, um, he wasn't sort of, what's the word, generations apart from them, yeah. he wasn't, he seemed to be, have earned his respect because of what you did on the pitch, rather than I think you know when you when you get a manager go to a, to a club any club especially as a young as a young manager you've got to have some cachet about you what you know you, you've got to be able to put your medals on the table where you've yep. got to have succeed as a player or already have success as a manager on a long term basis and and if you haven't you've got to try, it's a difficult job to earn respect when you're looking at, I mean it's not this no disrespect to Doncaster Rovers but they're not going to Doncaster Rovers. You know, you're going into uh, a, a top Premier Premier League team. You've got to be able to 
you require respect and if you don't bring that with you you've got to earn it very very quickly and I think that was the advantage that Matteo had that he had that respect already because of things he'd done with Chelsea and trophies he'd won with Chelsea of course yeah absolutely and the quickest goal in the Wembley final as well what a strike that was absolutely. in the bar and straight yeah. in yeah 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 it was yeah Middlesbrough yeah but you know the book you've got your own Twitter feed your own social media you're big on that so let's have a shout for how people can purchase the book and how they can link up with you, uh, Gaz. And also, when does the book come out? Because it's not quite out. It's it's out in April, isn't it? You're right, mate. It's out the length of April. Yeah. Um, you can get on Twitter. I have a Twitter feed for it, as you mentioned, which is at OOTB2012, which is out of the blue 2012. So it's yeah. at OOTB2012. Um, the book is available for pre-order now. It's actually, I've just looked this morning, actually, for, uh, when I was doing a bit of, bit of work on my, on my current book, that it's currently at number eight in the European uh, Cup um, uh, uh, section on Amazon and number 12 in the Chelsea section. So it's, even though it's not out for another month yet, it's still doing pretty well. But if people, anybody's interested can follow it on Amazon, but if you just plug my name into Amazon, that's Gary, G-A-R-Y, Thacker, T-H-A-C-K-E-R, um, I've got my own Amazon page, so all my books are listed on there, and uh, Out of the Blue is sitting there nicely, with just a click away from being ordered. And your uh, Twitter uh, page as well is all hyphen blue hyphen days, isn't it? So, you know, if people okay. want to get hold of Gary Thacker, they can. The easiest way is to put it into a search engine, Gary Thacker, and every uh, comes up, Gaz. Different class. Well, also, Follow back uh, forward, well, mate. Yeah, also on uh, Facebook, you're uh, you're very uh, upfront on Facebook. So I think your social medias it's important to uh, to get out to the masses. How have you got out to Chelsea Football Club? Have they recognised the book? What what's the dynamics there? It's, it's difficult. The short answer is no, I haven't. I know, uh, it's it's difficult. Sad, isn't it? um, it's all very corporate these days, mate. Mm. Speaking to a into a lower league club, you've got far more chance. And um, look, for for example, um, the cover of the book um, as the blue is it's got Robert check on the front, but um, you can't use uh, images from yep. the Premier League era without paying a fee to the um, to the club. So yeah, they're basically illustrations on on the cover of the book, and the, it tends to be the way, as I say, these days the Premier League. You know, the uh, the money sort of situation with clubs is is immense. Um, so no, I, I didn't. I did sort of. Briefly try and explore the club that he sort of found it very quickly on uh, on complications, shall we say? So with Chelsea images of uh, Premier League, it's all you have to go through Chelsea because, like, if you looked at Chelsea images before the Premier League, it's probably Getty that owns probably most of them because that's what happens, doesn't it? The the photographers sell the images to Getty, and anyone that writes books and want to put pictures in that they don't own has to pay an absolute king's ransom to get all of that, yeah. probably for only uh, the usage of that that book at that time. If you want to rerun yeah. the book, you have to re apply and repay exactly, well, probably even more money for money with inflation. Yeah, I believe that's the case. I mean, when I spoke, yeah. oh, it wasn't, it was something I wasn't really aware of. When I spoke to the publishers about the book, and obviously you discussed cover options, that sort of thing, yeah. and they mentioned about this. I, I didn't know, because I said, well, why do you need to illustrate it? Well, a couple of years, you know, uh, I'm not sure to get it. They use, they use picture libraries, you know, similar to get these, but if it's not getting it. Yeah. Um, then, then the, the guy, uh, their, their sort of designers, explain to me about, you know, you have to pay a fee to the club, and so that's that's why the the, the, the any covers 
of that sort of post Premier League era um, tend to have illustrations on the front rather than photos, which I guess you know that's that's just the way they will be. These guys poor, isn't it really? Yeah, I think it is, and I think it's sad, and I think that you know with the wonderful publication that that you've written about Chelsea, you know it's the the season of 2011-2012, an iconic season. You would think that Chelsea would say, Gary, thanks for writing uh, the book. Uh, there's a shelf at uh, you know at the club shop there at Stamford Bridge, and then Chelsea fans can uh, can see it on the shelves and purchase it. But in the real world, what we have to do is we have to do these podcasts, etc., etc., put it out on social media and hope that we get a few bites. And if we hashtag Chelsea or Celery or CFC, where did Celery come from? It's always something that's amazed me with Chelsea, Celery. I mean, since I've had the uh, the um, the Ato TV 2012, um, yeah. I've got a lot of people to follow with them. You know, I speak to other people who sort of change things about the games and just like, and I've asked a couple of guys and they don't know. There's even this one guy who's on the comics at Blue Balls, something like that. And mm-hmm. he's got some of the uh, sort of range of something spread across his his, um, his Twitter profile. And, and I thought he's got to know, but he doesn't. So I, I, I don't know. It's fascinating. It is crazy. I mean, I know where the white wall come from. I mean, that was the back of the shed, wasn't it? But, you know, celery, it's still unsolved. Yeah. But, uh... yeah. One mentioned, one guy mentioned to me that he, he thought it was about the time. You know, do you remember when there was all this um, fad about taking inflatables to games, like, you know, these inflatable bananas? Yeah, that was in Ray Varadi, wasn't it, at Man City? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he said he thought it was from, came from about that sort of time. Um, and somebody taking something from the shop. I, I don't, but it, it seemed to be too far fetched. So I, don't, I really don't know. It's, I'd love to find the answer out myself, but um, it's a really sort of great mystery. Well, whether that's a true story or not, why spoil it? Because it's fantastic and that you should always end on a good one. So we're going to end there. But finally, is there anything that you want to bring up that we haven't brought up and anything that you've unearthed? Because we don't want to give too much away about the book, Gary, because we want people to buy the book and go onto Amazon and buy it. Are you selling it from a personal website where you capture more of the money or is it just the usual socials and stuff? Yeah, it's the usual ones. I mean, they're, they're, it's, the publishers have their own website to sell from there, which is uh, Pitch Publishing, yeah. which they publish some fantastic books. And you, you mentioned Stevie's and uh, earlier we all we all sort of um, uh, signed up to Pitch. Um, but yeah, uh, after the, 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 the thing about the, about the story, I think it's such a popular story. It's been told so many times. That's the one thing I'd mention is, um, and this is something that uh, Terry flags up. I spoke to Sky and. They, they were very kind enough to tell me um, uh, the, the sort of coverage of the documentary they did about the game, that they, they tournament afterwards. And Terry tells a story about uh, the head of the game, Di Matteo, um, arranged for all the players' family and some of the young, young players' parents to go over to Munich and the head of the game appear in sort of at the end of a training session, I think, I think he said it was, to, to say to the players how proud they were of them and how much they were looking forward to the final, how they believed in them. And he, and he said that, you know, even though Terry said I wasn't playing, it, it was a really moving situation, you know, moving occasion. And uh, a lot of the players felt inspired. And I suppose that's when you get a sort of player who's into the, the family of the club. Um, an ex-player, I should say, like Di Matteo, um, Di Matteo uh, has probably understood the value of that sort of thing and how it would sort of generate. And I guess in the end, you know, you have to say it worked because they won. Absolutely. And that's old school. That's how we used to manage 
back in the old days. Gaz, can I thank you so much for your time, sir? All the best with these football times. All the best with the uh, Chelsea book, Out of the Blue. All the best with the Ajax book as well. And all the best for anything else that, that you're doing. And anytime you need me, um, I'm only too happy to do a podcast with you and with Stephen or with Stuart. I haven't had the privilege of, of those boys yet. And well done to Pitch Publishing. You're absolutely spot on. Them guys publish some fantastic football books. And guys, keep writing and keep reading because these stories should never be forgotten. They're too good. Oh, bless you, Paul. Thanks for that. You keep these podcasts coming and keep it going with with Roger because it's always fantastic to to win a bet the great old days. Cheers, pal. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Mark. Bye bye now. Bye bye.